Welcome once again to Unprofessional. I'm Lex Friedman, and I'm joined by Dave Whiskus. Hi, Dave. Hello. It's so good to hear your voice again. Isn't it? And today, our guest is none other than the world-famous and tech-meme-renowned Matthew Panzerino. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm so awesome. I'm doing great. Now, we got to get this out of the way right up front. Dave knows this is like a, a perennial problem with me. I assume I got Panzerino correctly, <laughs> but is it always Matthew? Are you ever any nickname for Matthew, or do you prefer just Matthew if we're going first name? Uh, you know, I get that a lot. I mean, as as probably anybody with a two-syllable shortenable name does, but I always said I had no preference, but I, I always introduced myself as Matthew, so I'm guessing that I prefer Matthew subconsciously somewhere. Got it. I'm going to call you Maddie. I, I was going to call sure. him Maddie P. Yeah, either way. Make it hey, longer. You, the subject Matthew. of your nicknames has been a uh, long uh, source of discussion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, old Pansy was my original nickname back in high school. Uh, a friend of mine gave me that one. Friend, friend of mine gave me that one. And um, then uh, Dan Morin saved you. Yeah, Dan Morin came up with uh, Panzer because he thought it sounded uh, more robust, which yeah, sounds no, more, I've kind sounds, of adopted that. Sounds masculine. Yeah, a little bit, little bit beefier. Well, my the original Pansy nickname came from the uh, the gay punk band Pansy Division, which my friend was, had listened to, and he liked them, and he said, "I'm going to call you Pansy," and so there hmm. you go. And you know, I didn't really; it doesn't bother me any. So they they call me that pretty much all high school. You're very secure. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. And, oh well, you know, I've already told the story of my nickname on this show, where I used to get called Sexy Lexi. Uh, in first grade, when it was horrible that my name rhymed with Lex. And then, like, in seventh grade, I would beg people to call me Sexy Lexi, and no one would. Uh, oh, that's funny. I, I intend to continue calling you Sexy Lexi for as long as I can remember. I appreciate that. You I know, do what I can. My, and uh, my kid has a friend now, a girl, who's named Lexi Friedman, and I think that's weird. And, really? Yeah. Wow. That, is, that weird. is weird. Yeah. Life is tough for Lex Friedman sometimes. I like my name. I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying there, there's some challenges. <laughs> I saw on Game Center you you're Alexander Friedman, which I, I had no idea who that was for a good minute or so. Technically, it's not true. That's only on um, the sandbox version of Game Center when you're beta testing games that haven't been released yet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, yes. All of us have a sandbox ID and a non-sandbox ID. <laughs> wah, wah. I just got fired from Macworld again. <laughs> awesome. Uh. I'm calling Jason. <sighs> I didn't have any cool nicknames when I was a kid, I, I wanted, uh, I've been for years trying to convince people to call me D-Cell, but that hasn't really picked up. <laughs> Do you think that'd be like my club name? You can't pick your own nickname, right? That's, <laughs> see, when I think, of you, I think of Whiskers, and then I think of Whiskers, and I'm like, is there yeah, anything nothing, there? But nothing, nothing based there. on my last name. Yeah. Yeah. Whiskey. My dad's a, my dad's an asshole, so I'd rather not go down that route. If I can avoid <laughs> leaning on my last name, I'd, I'd really love that. That's fair. I thought about changing it for a while. I'm going to call you Sexy Lexi and Whiskers. <laughs> Well, if he hates his last name, that's just me. You should call him Sexy Lexi. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, yeah, we so switched much. over to Panzer instead of Pansy for you out of kindness. That is true. That is true. I will, I'm so, still very unhappy about the Twitter username change, though, from, from M. Panzerino to Panzer. Oh, somebody right. already got M. Panzerino, too. I kept reminding myself, oh, grab it so nobody else gets it. Because when they change you away, you know, your old one it's freed up. And now it's Michelle Panzerino. And mm. it's no, it's apparently Michelle Panzerino because it's a dude. So, mm. yeah, I so. bet Michelle uses a nickname <laughs> and it's manlier than Michelle. <laughs> Probably. Well, I look back on a Twitter like memorandum, like collection of stories that um, Manton did and, and um, 
uh, whatever his software is. I can't remember. Not not Tweet, tweet Library. library? But oh, no, yeah. his other tweet. his other thing he has, and I can't remember what it's called. Anyhow, he did a collection of tweets, and I looked back. I was like, I wonder if any of mine are in here because it was from a year ago when when Jobs passed. And I looked in there, and I was looking for M. Panzerino, and sure enough, there is Michelle Panzerino with credit for all my cool quotes. I'm not in that list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much good in there anyway. So it's probably good that he has credit for it now. So if you're if you went for manliness with your nickname, because Pansy definitely wasn't, and Panzer mm-hmm. probably is. Uh, do you have manly like war stories from your youth, from your life to date? Do you have like stories of how you earned your manliness street cred? I imagine that you're you're a scrapper. Like you got into a lot of fights or something. <laughs> no, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> As as Michael said, um, no, I wasn't really never. I was never really a fighter. It's, it's never really like me against uh, me against people, uh, me against the world a little bit. I, I was a little bit of a, um, a racer, like a driver when I was younger, and um, it was you know had the typical invincibility you know complex. I guess when you're a teenager that you always have, but I exercised it with you know two ton automobiles instead of. You know, whatever else people normally do, jump off cliffs or whatnot. <laughs> so I got in a lot of car accidents. I was in like five car accidents between like 17 Jesus. when I started driving and like 20, I think. Wow. Are you yeah. just a really shitty driver? Uh, yeah, you would think, right? I mean, I think I like to think that I'm actually a relatively good driver. I have done some actual racing, like carts and things like that and, and cars. But um, no, I was just reckless. Just reckless, you know, just an idiot is all it is. But, you know, hopefully I'm better now. Yeah, now that you have a, a wife and a kid, you should be careful about that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, part of the trouble is my, my parents got me a car right out of high school. Um, well, they actually got it before I could drive, and my dad and I kind of worked on it together a little bit. But it's a, it was a 66 Dodge Cornet, which, if you're familiar, is a, a Mopar car. So it has Mopar suspension, which, you know, low to the road, made for driving you know, aggressively for a 66 Dodge. And uh, basically, they used to race Carnets um, in this, the racing circuit. They had an RT model, which is their racing model. Um, but that thing was beastly. It had a 440 uh, big block in it, which is an enormously powerful engine for a high school kid. I just want to say I'm understanding this as well as I understand every Beach Boys song about cars. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an enormously powerful car for a 17-year-old. Let's put it that way. Okay. I mean, like, ridiculous muscle car, you know, you know, the exhaust, you know, throbbing the whole bit, you know, very powerful. I mean, coming out, my favorite thing to do is coming out of driveways, you know, you come down, you've got the little dip there and a little water normally collects, you know, on like the street. And so you come out of like a driveway of a parking lot and you've got a little rivulet of water, maybe a couple inches wide, but that's enough to just, if you gun it at exactly the right point to break your rear tires loose, just a little bit of slipperiness. And so you can break them loose and then just peel out all the way into the road for like 30, 40, 50 yards, you know? And uh, so that was one of my favorite things to do with that car. And just, it was brilliant for that. Oh, you were that asshole. drive. Yes. Yes, that is correct. I think that's the appropriate term. Uh, well, just really quick, what is a four-speed dual-quad positive traction 409? What does that mean? It means he <laughs> overclocked his car. Okay. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay. But yeah, no, this thing was great. I mean, it was fantastic. Cherry, you know, those typical one... Uh, you know, grandma drive uh, drove it to the store and back car that you hear about. Like, you know, it was that. It was literally that. She drove it to the store and did back. Did she peel out Some, for forty to fifty yards? She did. She did. That's how I knew it could do it. She she showed me. But no, <laughs> some kids broke out her window. 
And she got scared, and then she was older, like 65, 70, whatever, and she, she sold it, you know, and I, I, uh, we bought it, and well, my parents bought it for me, and I ended up paying them back, but um, I drove that thing right out of high school, and I should never have been in a car that popular. I mean, you, you need to drive something terrible, just absolutely terrible and poorly poorly powered out of high school. I mean, you need to drive like a moped or, you know, a, a Geo Metro or something. No offense to Geo Metro drivers, you know, but you know what I mean. They're not very powerful. The drivers of the cars, <laughs> uh, both. <laughs> okay, yes. just checking. Uh, but yeah, so I ended up driving that thing out of high school, and that's what got me in a lot of trouble. I mean, my friend had a '67 Chevelle, and we used to race up and down one of our main drags, like on street streets, like not highways or anything. It, you know, like 80, 90 miles an hour. Um, you know, pass it on the right. You know, those typical idiots that you're like, who are these people? They're going to kill themselves. You know, that was that was me, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. first car, right? Well, I was in high school uh, when I got my first car. It was uh, an 87 uh, uh, Cavalier Z24. So it was relatively nice. Up. It wasn't like a, a, a super sports car or anything, but it was it was way more than sure. I needed. And that thing had been well taken care of. And uh, had been souped up a little bit before I ever got to it. And I would drive like a crazy person. I thought I, yeah, I thought I was invincible. And one day I was uh, making a left-hand turn on a busy street and uh, didn't see the car coming and got uh, T-boned. Ouch. Yeah, I know that feeling. I remember spinning around. There was a song playing on the radio and I had a friend in the car with me. And as the car was spinning around, I, I had so much presence of mind that I didn't stop singing along with the song. <laughs> until after the spinning stopped. Well, luckily, luckily nobody was hurt. It was oh god, it's so embarrassing. It was uh, uh, OMG's how bizarre. Will you sing, will you sing it for us? No, I will not. No, I will not. I vowed never again after that day. <laughs> that is strange though, because time does you know it does um, kind of work differently. It, it uh, uh, dilates a little bit when you when you get that adrenaline pump. You know, yeah, you get hit or something weird. Your your mind does crazy things. Because I remember the last time I got in a wreck. Um, you know, thankfully after that, I calmed down and started watching myself, but, um, I got T-boned by a van, a minivan going probably like 65 or so on like a, cause we have these rural roads out here where I live. I mean, we have the main city, but you go out of ways and it's just fields and dusty, you know, empty lots and trees that kind of block your view. And so in this, I wasn't racing. I was going, you know, stop at the stoplight. I pulled out. So in this case, it was literally just an accident. You know, I wasn't acting like an idiot or anything, but it happened. And uh, I got T-boned and I remember spinning to a stop and reaching for my glove box while we were still skidding to a stop to get my insurance information out. Because by that time, I'd been in so many accidents. I'm just like, okay, I guess I got to get my insurance stuff. Was everybody okay? Oh, yeah. Everybody was fine. Uh, thankfully, there were two of the people in my car and like six people in the minivan. So I felt obviously terrible. Oh, God. But uh, everybody turned out to be just fine. So and that but that, you know, that really kicks your your mind in gear. I mean, you. Oh, absolutely. You kind of look at things a little differently because it's not even about you. It's about the people in your car and into people in the other car and your responsibility for all that. So that, you know, kind of was the the catalyst to me like going, hey, man, you know, just chill. Hey, yeah. Matty P, it's time to it's time to slow down a little bit. I get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. the the biggest you, I, in my mind, you call yourself Matty P in your head. Um, <laughs> right. The, the biggest most or the most intense accident I was in, I was actually as a passenger. Uh, my the whole family, five of us, were driving in the car. My dad's Chrysler Imperial, and mm. he had it on cruise control as we were driving home to Pennsylvania from New York City. And later, that car got recalled because of an issue with the cruise control where it could lock the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is what happened. 
So we're driving on the highway at highway speeds and he can't get the car to turn oh, all of a sudden. And he says, shit. And that's how I knew there was a problem. And then a couple seconds later, we crashed into the, you know, the, the barrier on one side, the cement barrier on the side of the road. And then we spun around and crashed into the other side of the barrier, the other barrier on the other side. Uh, and wow. spun around and hit the first one again. And the whole time, other cars are going by us in the other lanes because, you know, it's a well-trafficked road. So the car instantly fills with smoke, and uh, I am always, well, now I'm very good in emergency. Back then, I was only adequate in emergency, so I responded by screaming and crying. <laughs> right, right. And grabbing and, a flashlight. And so I'm like, my, I'm, uh, everybody's trying to get out of the car because it's filling up with smoke. And I'm like, I can't get out of the car. I can't get out. And my sister suggests that I unlock the door first. And when I did that, I was able to get out of the car. Oh, That's an man. exciting story. Yeah, then we're standing by the car and we're just waiting. And then, like, our, some of our closest family friends just happen to see us as they're looking at the accident as they're driving by on the same highway. So we all crammed in. And there were two people in their five-person car and the five of us all crammed into their car with us and they took us home. It's the oh, passenger geez. thing. It's the other people. You you don't really think about yourself in this situation. Or at least I didn't. When I got hit, uh, that, that first big accident, when I got out of the car, the first thing I heard was the sound of a crying baby. <laughs> and my heart just dropped. And it wasn't mm-hmm. for fear of, oh, God, like, how much trouble am I going to be in? It was like, what did I do? And mm-hmm. thankfully, everybody was okay. The only person injured was uh, my friend who was in the passenger seat. The only person in this entire equation who was wearing a seatbelt got a, a concussion and his head got cut open. He wandered around mm-hmm. for a good couple of minutes after we were exchanging our insurance information. He was behind us wandering around, falling over. <laughs> in hindsight, it was pretty funny, but at the time, he didn't think so. I, yeah. I can imagine. Um, I, I think... Um... I think my most serious one didn't involve anyone else, which I was very thankful for because it was in that cornet because I actually had to end up rebuilding it afterwards. But it was my uh, senior year of high school, and I think I had been driving it uh, to school officially for just a few weeks. And I was following some people and driving a little too fast around a curve, and I hit some gravel. And I fishtailed um, back and forth and slid along the road and ended up um, heading towards a... Uh, telephone pole and a brick wall of the back of this factory building. And I remember sliding towards the pole and knowing that I was going to hit this thing. But there was a guy wire coming down from it, like one of those wires that um, mount that um, stabilizes it to the ground. And the car hit that and flipped. It rolled over and um, then ended up sliding up the guy wire um, along it, you know, kind of like a slide. And it... Um, those things are bolted through the telephone pole with two long lag bolts. They're like the they're uh, as big around as like a you know baby's arm, and they go all the way through the um, telephone pole to anchor the wire. Well, the car, you know, it's heavy '60s era, you know, two and a half ton more probably. I don't know the exact you know weight, but this thing is steel, and it goes up that thing and hits that wire, flips and hits the wire, and it split the telephone pole down like a like a banana. It just oh, went whoosh, you know, like a banana peel. So it literally cut it like somebody took it from the top and and whacked it with a machete, and it split. You know, <laughs> see, and, I was here marveling still at how you said like a banana, like you had banana, <laughs> like really banana. Going, and then you go to the, the machete thing, and wow, yeah. yeah what, what is that accent? Where, so, where are you from? Yeah, uh, Fresno. Fresno. Oh, okay. Out here. okay. Yeah, and uh, kind of, and then it slammed into the wall because the wall's right next to it. So then I hit the wall, and then um, you know it kind of like settled back down or rolled back over, and I remember I, it all happens so, you know so quickly. So I was sitting there with my seatbelt on, completely unscathed, hanging upside down by my seatbelt, just 
pissed, just so <laughs> angry at myself. And because, you know, it's my new car or, or my car, I just started driving and just so mad. And, you know, I unbuckled my seatbelt. I fell onto the hood of the car or the roof of the car because I was upside down and uh, crawled out the open window. And I was so mad, and it was balanced sort of on the guy wire. And I was so mad, and I just got angry, and I grabbed it and shoved it, and it kind of went back down onto its side and um, leaked about three-quarters of a tank of gasoline into the sewers. And I ended up having to pay, like, you know, several thousand dollars to clean it out because the city has to clean those out. It wasn't even into the sewer. It was like a maintenance tunnel oh, Jesus. but the the gas leaked in there so they have to send a crew out and do that but i remember calling my dad you know and he's like well you know things happen nobody got hurt and i'm like <laughs> i love my dad so much <laughs> i remember thinking that moment like oh i'm so glad that this is my dad and not somebody else you know because he you know he he did it he he raised heck in his in his younger days and you know he rode motorcycles all his life and laid them down all over the place and wrecked them and he knows how it is and you know it was just like hey it's one of those you're gonna have to pay to repair your car i'm not gonna do it but i have to say i love that this was a story about or these are several stories about you you know driving like a crazy person and getting into all kinds of you know crazy shit and then when you described it you said and my dad he was like me he raised a lot of heck i think that's just great <laughs> hey you know we gotta keep it kid friendly <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a badass behind the wheel but when it comes to podcasting we keep it clean he raised a, he went to heck and back you know <laughs> my, my dad was like oh fudge you crashed that shooting car dang oh, shut the front door <laughs> gosh darn it maddie p did you ever get injured in any of these accidents, like serious injuries? Um, I don't think I was ever got anything more than like a scuffed elbow in any one of my car accidents. And the T-bone was pretty serious. I mean, it caved in the entire side of the car. I mean, I was driving a Jetta, and I, I'm a big VW fan, and you know they have um, a very nice roll cage structure in their cars. They use a unibody structure that that does a lot to protect against those t-bone kind of accidents so i mean it hit right on the t way better than those piece of shit geometrics <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but it hit right on dead on the t and like crumpled you know the side but it protected me and but i mean no never never in any accidents however i ended up breaking my arm for the first time ever playing soccer in the backyard with my dad uh oh no sorry that was a second time <laughs> Yeah, no. So <laughs> He's it, basically, his, no. His so many times. Yeah, no. The car accident was never, never a source of injury. I just got injured in stupid other ways. Okay. Like. like. <laughs> oh, you want me to tell you? <laughs> please elaborate. But, no, you know what? Let okay. me guess. So you're no. I, please, <laughs> no. please. So the first time, I, first time I broke my left arm, I was playing frisbee on uh, on the field at school. And That's a pretty I, dangerous know, run. sport. Oh yeah, it's so it's like epic. You know, the girls just love the frisbee. When you guys. say you're playing frisbee, are you just tossing it around, or is it like ultimate? Yeah, just toss it around. I mean, the ultimate frisbee didn't exist in like 1989 or whenever this happened. Okay, or maybe it did, but I, I don't know. But if um, there are broken bones. It sounds I, pretty ultimate to me. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was just running and I jumped and landed, and uh, you know, a rather hefty kid tripped and fell on my arm and broke it. So oh. it was like. This is not this is not a, a a fun or fancy story. It's just you know kind of broken arm. You didn't get, you didn't break your arm playing frisbee. You got you broke your arm getting tackled by a fat kid. 
That's way different. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But so I broke my arm, and I get I get a cast on it. You go, you get a cast, you know, you, they do your thing, and they put it on there. And, uh, you know, a few weeks go by, whatever it is, the healing period. It was kind of early when we took it off, but, you know, it's just one of those things that, like, it was just a weird set of circumstances. Uh, and... You know, one of those things you you're just like, ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna get it taken off. So we got it taken off. Then I'm playing soccer in the backyard with my dad. We're just playing kickball, nothing serious. You know, you're kicking the ball, whatever. And so I, you know, I I'm like, ah, if, right, right. I fall on the ball, go to cover it, like protect the ball. And uh, you know, he's kicking at, ah, get it, get it out, get it out. And he breaks my arm, right? So we're like, oh, great. You know, because it was still uh, not healed all the way. You know, we took the cast off too early. This was your and, dad, uh, or at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he kicks kicks the ball and it breaks my arm and you know, of course we're like, Oh great, now everybody's gonna think you just broke my arm. But Which we... which which exactly is exactly what had happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well you know what I mean. Now everybody's just gonna think the facts the, are true. For the heck of it. <laughs> I think what he means is he was worried they were worried that his dad would, would look like a child abuser. Yeah, right. there you go. Now, along my guess lines. is that dad was thinking about the car and how pissed he was and that this was like right, a half Right, accident. right, exactly. <laughs> so we get the cast back on, and my parents, um, who always had this policy of never going anywhere and leaving me behind. I was an only child, and they were like, we're not going to leave you. You know, we're, if we go somewhere, you're coming with us, period, which I always thought was awesome, and that's what I want to do with my kid. But yeah, because if, if they lose you, then they're, they're out all of their kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're out there tax deductions. So, oh, yeah. You know, it's just a sound financial advice. But um, they were going to Tahiti, and we were going as a family. And um, so I had my cast on, and I'm like, great. Now I got this cast on, and I got to go to Tahiti for the first time. I think it was like 11 or 9, nine 10, 11, somewhere in there. And uh, we're going, we go to Tahiti for the first time, and I'm swimming in the chlorine and swimming in the ocean. And um, getting salt water in there and chlorine and salt water and chlorine and all this stuff. So my arm is just itching so bad in this cast. I mean, unimaginable. You I mean you can't reach it? You're sticking sticks down there to scratch it, you know. And your skin is so soft. You're pulling out chunks of you uh. know raw flesh. It's just bad, oh, right? Just God. bad all around. Driving me nuts, you know what I mean? But what are you going to do? You not swim in Tahiti? You know, that's stupid. So I, I, we're, we're doing yes. this thing and whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. What Lex would well, do. The, some people maybe, but not in, not in my world. Um, <laughs> so while we go, this, this resort that we're at, um, my dad is a talker. I mean, he loves to talk to people, never had a problem making friends, and just you know, has no problem walking up to somebody and being like, hey, well, you know, what's up? What are you, what are you doing? And Was your dad a drug reason, dealer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What, what, do you, what do you want? Hey, you hey, got, what's I up? Got some what's watches. up? You want to buy some <laughs> So anyhow, he makes friends easily, and he befriends this groundskeeper, um, Joseph. Joseph has kind of takes to me because my middle name is Joseph. So he, you know, he loves that, and he's a Tahitian. Um, they're Polynesian. <clears throat> Polynesians to a lesser degree than like the Maori or you know some of the other islands, but they're large. Gents, I mean, they are big. They're muscled. They're extremely, obviously, tanned, and they're giants. They're just—they're built like physical, you know, monoliths. And um, you know, but he's—they're very gentle at the same time. They're very, very gentle people for the most part. And um, you know, it's kind of an interesting contrast. But Joseph takes a liking to us, and he ends up inviting us to his home um, on the beach for a meal for one of the days that we're there. <clears throat> 
And he takes my dad out spearfishing. They go fishing. They get they catch some fish, which is what they do for dinner. They don't buy fish. They just go fish for fish. And um, he comes back, and we're, we're at his home, which is he was very gracious to invite us over to his home. And his home is basically three walls and a roof. Um, it's like a couple of rooms, but the front is basically open. And it's got an extension cord that just trails off into the jungle somewhere. I have no idea where he got his electricity, but there's a little TV. And he gets to, like, the local French Polynesian stations or whatever. But it's basically three roughshod walls and a corrugated roof on the beach about 60 feet from the water and that's it that's his home that's where he lives he's got a table out front where they eat meals it's in the open air because it only rains for like five minutes at a time and it's warm and then it dries off immediately after it sounds awesome and us yeah it was very cool it was an interesting experience you know one of those things where you're like wow i can't even believe i'm you know getting to do this really neat and they cook the fish in lemon um, they just you know squeeze lemon on it and let it cook in the the natural acids. Right. So no fire, and you just eat it. And my, my dad ended up um, eating, and I think I, I tasted some too. But uh, raw pahua lip, which is uh, the pahua is like a giant clam. If you ever seen those clams at the aquariums where the lips are like bright purples and greens and you know blues and stuff iridescent um, under the water. Well, they take those clams. The way they actually hunt those clams is you have to, like, float up to them in the water because they will sense the currents and close. And you jab a screwdriver into their mouth and wriggle it until you pop them off because you can't get them off from the outside because that natural glue they use is so powerful. Anyhow, he pops those off, rip the lips off. You eat the lips, and then you cook the clam. <laughs> you eat the lips raw. Is the, that's their thing. No, but um, Yeah. Oh, it's delicious, actually. I'm, it's I'm like rubbery, chewy, salty, but it's fresh. You know, it's like if you, if you like sashimi, it's fantastic. But um, So is this, is this going back – is this a, another injury that we're leading up to here? Yes, we are. Sorry, I'm long-winded. I apologize. But, um, <laughs> we just want to make sure that we're, we're, we're staying <laughs> yeah, with you. Yeah, we're heading towards an injury, yeah. Uh, so, well, not an injury, but we're, we're the re- resolution of my cast situation, which was caused by the injury. But um, we we end up you know, sitting down at this table, and he, he has some of his friends come over, and they're all giant as well. I mean, we're talking like six foot, six foot five, six foot six, and 250, 300 pounds, but like all muscle. I mean, these guys canoe between islands they have canoe races outrigger races between islands so they're immense but um they have like i have a picture you, you mean which like is, when you look at them you can see that they are physically immense people yes correct okay. so uh we uh i actually have a picture of it because we're sitting around this table and they're six seven beers in. they drink this beer called hananu which is like a fairly watery but still it's a beer it's good beer it's light beer and it's their Budweiser. And they, they're like mm. ten they're like ten, fifteen beers in each. Easy. And this table is clustered in bottles. And I'm itching my arm with a stick, you know, scratch, scratch, scratch. And they're like, What's you know, what's going on with the with the arm? You know, why what are you what are you scratching? And we explain, Well, you know, we broke my arm and got the cast on and my arm is super itchy and blah 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 from the chlorine and like Oh, we'll get that off. We'll get that off. Come, come here. Come here. So I have like four of these giant people clustered around me with a hacksaw and uh, screwdrivers and pliers, and they're holy they're crap sawing my cast. I just want to say I'm not a doctor. Oh, my my father was an orthopedic surgeon, and I oh, don't okay. think this is how he used to do it. No, my wife's an orthopedics actually. No, it's definitely not. It sounds like a good and way to so, lose your arm. Yeah, exactly. And so they're sawing at this thing so 
gently. I mean, the exact contrast of their physical appearance, you know, and they're just, they're sawing, being so careful not to cut me and, you know, using the screwdriver to gently pry it apart. And so they have these giants just working on this cast. And, you know, I was very, very skinny when I was younger. I don't know what happened, but um, very tiny boy. And they did it so very gently and sawed it and pried it off and got it off and made me a sling out of a paru, which is like a wrap that they wear. And I, I still have that paru and tucked away in a drawer somewhere and they slung it around my neck and that's how I got my broken arm cast off. So it, it was, <laughs> you know, open air the rest of the trip and I was nice. I could scratch it with ease and there you go. This is uh that's one, one hell of a resolution. When I was, uh, <laughs> when I was about uh, eight, nine, 10, something like that, I uh, I used to go out and ride my bike with my friends, and there was this grocery store, King Supers, uh, a few blocks away from my house. And behind the the grocery store, there was a, a big dirt lot, and they I guess they were doing something with it because it was like dirt mounds, like hills of dirt, and it looked like they might be developing or something. But the, I remember that summer, we used to take our bikes and we'd ride them up and down these hills. And there was one hill that you had to you kind of had to get your speed up to get all the way up to the top of the hill. And one day, I'm riding along these these uh, these hills, and I come up to the big hill, and I get about halfway up, and I realize that I don't have enough steam to get all the way to the top. And I have <laughs> I'm forced to make a decision. And the first thing to go through my mind was, if I just go backwards, I'm going to go halfway down a fairly large hill, and I'll probably you know hit my head and die or something. Uh, <laughs> or I can try to turn the wheel and and just kind of like uh, uh bail out here and then walk back down the bike which seems like a, a better option and it wasn't a huge fall or anything it was just the way i came off the bike when i tried to to gently bail came down on my wrist in just such a way that i snapped it Ow. and it was Gosh. uh like if you look at your hand it was my right arm uh my right wrist if you look at your hand it was as if your arm was in the same place but your hand was uh you know a few inches to the to the right that's kind of Ugh. what my hand looked like. And I remember being so scared of having broken a bone. And I was thinking, well, maybe it's just like uh, dislocated or something. And I can pop it back. And that was not the way to do that. Mm. I had to walk over to a Mexican restaurant and call an ambulance. And uh, they had to set my arm. And when they set my arm, the doctor did so uh, with they'd forgotten to give me any kind of anesthetic like for my arm. Ugh. They gave me like a, a painkiller shot in the hip like three hours before they set it. But I remember very clearly feeling the pain of him doing this thing. Maybe that's just uh, the, the the imagery that I had accompanied with the memory. But uh, it hurt like hell. Yeah, wrist wrist injuries are the worst. I have only broken one bone. Uh, it was oh, like a week before my bar mitzvah, which is Hebrew for <laughs> birthday party. And um, no, so I. Uh, it was waiting. If you got to school too early, you had to wait in this lobby. They wouldn't let you go into your homeroom or go to your locker or anything before whatever the start time was. So the lobby would fill up with, you know, literally 100 or more kids who were all waiting for the school day to begin so they could go in. Um, so I was just sitting there resting. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there and... Um, I guess I'm propped up with my hands behind me a little bit and somebody comes over to say hello and bumps into me. And so I fall down where my hands are propped up. I fall down and, and break my pinky finger. And that oh. is the only bone I have broken. <laughs> what? Uh, it's, it's okay now. <laughs> it's okay now. Yeah. All these years Is there later, like a residual still, injury when, when it gets cold, thing? Like, you know? do, you, do you have full range of motion? Is everything okay I, now? I feel like I have full range of motion. And I, it's not the finger that has a click. My middle finger on my right hand, the top joint clicks almost 
every I don't know if the mic's going to pick that up. Let me try it again. Oh, I don't know if I ow. heard it. Well, every time I bend my middle finger is top joint, uh, that sound happens. Ah, wow. That might be related so to the when pinky. you when know. you type with a keyboard. Uh, you was get the like pinky injury? Is that what kept you out of sports? Uh, no, that would have been my Jewishness and lack of athleticism. Oh. <laughs> okay. You know, Dave, that I, I, I did play baseball. I knew that? Did I know that? I had a special role in the baseball team. Oh, yes, that's called. right. That's right. I was the designated bunter. Absolutely. I have that still written <laughs> on a sticky note next to my monitor. You, you were the guy they brought in to take a hit, right? <laughs> I did, I did once it. win a game in baseball um, for us because... I think I was playing shortstop or second base or something, and it was a night game, and the ball got hit, and as I was aiming to get it, it hit me in the forehead, and <laughs> they decided that must mean it was too dark to continue playing, so they called the game, and my team was winning, and so I got credit for the win. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Did they chant sexy That's Lexi because the they carried you off the field? No, they oh. chanted "unathletic Lexi." Over and over again. Weird. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic! I'd be glad that nickname didn't stick. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they should at least call me just unathletic, but they didn't. God, <laughs> I think you should get negative ten points for that last five. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I've I've had injuries, but I mean, uh, I. You know, I would say my worst injury, Dave. I have already told the story about when I uh, got needed stitches by my eye from I chasing did. a guy around in, in college. <laughs> no, no, I don't think you've told this one. So I, um, I had a friend, Eli. His last name was also Friedman, but he spelled it with two E's because he's stupid. Is there just like a lot of inbreeding going Friedman. on where you're from? Well, see, this was in college. It's not where I'm from, but there were a lot of Jews, and it's a very oh. Jewish name. <laughs> um, Wait, Friedman's a Jewish name? Yeah. Huh. Believe it or not, but so uh, in college, Eli and I were in, were sweet mates together. We had an eight person suite, and he and I had this ongoing war for some reason, where he would spit out his mouthwash on me when I was in the shower, so I would dump a bottle of cologne <laughs> on him while he was in the shower. You guys showered was, together. This sounds, this sounds these were very separate showers, oh. but uh, you know there was just there were two bathrooms in the suite, so somebody might be at the sink while you were in the shower, and there was just you know a curtain, and you could very easily dump things over the side, which Eli and I became fond of doing. Uh, so Live one day badger. I'm taking my shower and Eli pulls back the shower curtain and spits out his toothpaste, his mouthful of toothpaste on me in the shower. I did what any reasonable human being would do. I immediately ran out of the shower, wet, dripping and naked to, uh, give Eli a wet, naked hug. Cause th- I feel like that's the equal and opposite reaction. Uh, Eli starts running away. <laughs> I think away. that's in the book. That's in the manual. Yeah. And then he starts sort of trying to push me. We're in the lobby now of the suite, in the you know in the common area of the suite, and he's trying to push me out the door so that it'll be outside and wet and naked even this hug. And I realized I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm going to go back into the shower now. And I now the showers are running the whole time. I haven't shut it off. I've simply left the shower. And the floors of the bathroom are uh, solid painted red cement floors. So the showers are running with the shower curtain open. And as I run in, I notice, wow, that floor is slippery. And then my next thought is, I'm falling. And then my third thought is, my dad always said, don't catch your fall with your hands, which is, you know, exactly what happened with the <laughs> pinky back in the day. Don't catch the fall with your hands because you don't want to break bones in your hands. And I'm like, I'm not going to catch my fall with my hands. So instead, I caught it with my face. Good and it's just call. A big, whoop, and just a big smack on the floor. I'm like, man, that hurt. And I look up at the mirror. You know, I just stand up again because I'm right at the bathroom sink at the time. And I notice that my face is now covered in blood. Like it has gone from zero to 60. This is, see, I can make like a car story for you, Matthew. But, you know, my face is just covered <laughs> in blood. And I go back out 
out in the hallway or back out in the common area. And wait, are you still naked at this point? I'm still naked. And okay. my buddy Jake has come out of his room to see what the hell is going on since it's been so loud with all the screaming and the naked hugging and whatnot. And, he's and then there. there's you standing there screaming naked and bleeding. I'm there naked, <laughs> dripping, and my face covered. And he looks at me and goes, What's going on? And I say, Jake. I fell. And then I sort of, you know, it happens in movies and this doesn't ever happen to me in real life, but this is the one time it did where you're standing against a wall and you sort of slide down to a seated position against it. I did that sure. thing. So Jake, to his credit, uh, he's a father now with another, another one on the way. Uh, but this is where I knew that he would be a good dad one day. Jake put clothes on me while we waited for the emergency medical team to come. What makes the emergency <laughs> medical team friend. so exciting at Brandeis is that it's student run. There is no professional oh, EMT snap. on staff anywhere. <laughs> so the Brandeis Emergency Medical Coalition, BEMCO, comes to my rescue. And they take a look and they say, oh, it's a cut by your eye. You're fine. You don't need <laughs> stitches or anything. <laughs> all day people are like you got to go to the hospital that thing needs stitches i'm like bemco said i don't need stitches and finally i probably had a concussion which is why i wasn't thinking about this more clearly right, right. finally they convinced me to go to the hospital and the hospital was like you need 12 stitches by your eye <laughs> and i still oh, have the scar geez. today from when eli spat out his toothpaste on me when head injuries are awesome i still have the mental scar of seeing you in my mind <laughs> screaming naked and bleeding Blood. i'll send you a video Ooh. <laughs> put that in the show notes <laughs> Yeah, no, head injuries are great. I, I because w- what happens is that you're getting knocked in the head, so you're inherently already not thinking straight, and you've got a massive injury, so you need to take care of this properly. So if there ever was a time where you needed to think straight, it's when you got hit on the head. So I love the, I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah, got it happened to me one time. The head injury just reminded me that I actually almost killed myself trying to get a shot one time um, on the beach. A shot of alcohol. Or like a flu shot. <laughs> Photography shot. Oh. <laughs> ah, he's trying to snap he's... a photo for those of you who are listening. Got it. Yeah. That, that was go. my third guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean, I was a photographer for a long time, a uh, professional photographer, but I also shot for, you know, my own uh, ends. And um, I was also a professional photographer, but I mostly shot other people's ends. <laughs> yeah. I never got into that end of things. So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Continue. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was like uh, it was, this is in Monterey. I don't know if if you've ever been there. It's a coastal town in in California. Um, very beautiful. Uh, it used to be home to canneries. Um, they're f- famously known for being the home to John Steinbeck and um, that whole kind of era of writing about uh, the canneries and the industrialization and whatnot. But nice little town, very cool history, and they have some nice coastline. So I was in a hotel with my wife. She was asleep. Um, it was about like 1 a.m. or so. and I, I was taking pictures of her a... as she slept. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was hovered over her bed. Um, I remember there was a shot I wanted to take. And so I grabbed my tripod. I grabbed my camera, um, my uh, handheld flash because I knew there was a shot I wanted to kind of get down there in the dark. And so I, I go down to the beach. The beach is rocky. It's very, uh, very narrow, only about 20 feet to the water, and the tide was coming in. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hurry up. I'm going to get the shot. I'm going to be done with things, and you know, I'll be all set. Well, I, I set up my tripod, and it's kind of half in the water. The water's almost coming in over the feet a little bit, but I'm like, I, I, can get, I can get this, I think. And I was aiming at this structure, this building that looked like a giant head with two eyes. There was two holes in it, <laughs> and it was the old found uh, footings of a cannery because they had you know, kind of torn down or been broken down a lot of them. And so this, uh, this face, I saw this face in my head that I wanted to capture, but in order to do it, I needed to light up the eyes. 
So I got ambient light from just the sulfur lights coming off of like the street and whatnot that were near. So the ambient light was no problem. I had a nice shot of the overall head with the two, you know, kind of pockets for eyes. These pockets are like 10 foot by 10 foot and you have to crouch to get in them uh, because there's like, you know, concrete and such in there. So I knew that I had to run into the pocket, so about 40 feet from my camera, run to the the bunker, duck into the pocket, hide myself from the camera, and then fire off the flash in my hand to light up each eye hole. So if you... If you don't know photography, you can trigger um, the shutter and leave it open, and in low light, um, you have maybe you know seconds, sometimes a few seconds, to move within the frame and not be recorded. So like the light isn't high enough for you to actually display on the image. So I knew that if I moved fast enough that I would not show up in the picture. So I trigger it, walk, run through the picture, so to speak, and duck into uh, one of the openings and fire off an exposure or fire off a flash, which shows up on the film as a bright eye. So now one of the eyes is lit up brightly and then duck out of that one and run into the other one, duck in to, to fire off a flash and for some reason stand up <laughs> and gash the top of my skull open on like a sharp outcropping Ooh. of concrete, like just bash it. Cause I'm standing up full speed for some reason. Like I think I'm just going to stand up and just, Bam! You know, and hits me in the head. And, like, I get dazed, but I know I have to fire this flash off because the exposure is going to end. So I fire the flash, and I'm walking back, and I know the thing closed. And I'm walking back to my camera, and I feel just this warmth in my hairline. And you know that warmth, and it's just like, oh, that's blood. So it just comes down uh, over my eye, starts dripping through my eye. And so I push it back up, and now my hands are bloody. I'm of carrying my camera gear in my bag and my tripod over my shoulder and my face is bloody and my hands are bloody and I got to get through the lobby of this hotel through to the elevator so I can get back up without looking like I just killed somebody and took <laughs> yeah, pictures Children of it. wave to the axe murderer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least you weren't carrying naked. The, carrying his documentation. Yeah. That's the, I got that going for me. So I, I heard about this guy once, Lex who, uh, Friedman, yeah. who had this. So I, I decided not to go that route. So <laughs> I'm walking through the lobby of the hotel, and I, I right before I walk in, I push the blood up into my hairline, and then just wipe the blood off on my shirt, like his dark shirt, so nobody can see. And then I open the the door of the hotel. I'm convinced that I left blood on that the handle, <laughs> and I walk. I walk through the lobby quickly to the elevator and I like nod briefly at the staff, the counter staff are standing right there like, oh, you know, have a good night or whatever because it's a night staff. I duck into the elevator and the elevator doors are about to close. They're inching towards closing and boop, this hand gets stuck through there. I'm like, oh, Nikes, who is this? So then it comes open and it's the manager and she walks in. She's going somewhere for some reason up and she's like, hey, how you doing? And like, oh, fine, fine. And I nod, right? And the doors closed and they're polished copper doors and they thump closed. And I'm looking at my reflection in the mirror and she's in in the reflection of the doors and she's standing to my right and she's punched her button or whatever and we're going upwards. And I'm looking at myself in the reflection and I can see the blood dripping down out of my hairline. 
in back into my eye. And so I'm like pushing it up like really quickly, hoping she doesn't look over at my motion on my hand. I'm afraid to move so that she, I draw attention to it. But and you so rubbing I'm your face and, and smearing blood all over yourself. That's going to look way better. Right, right. Like you're so going to get in trouble quick. because you bled. <laughs> exactly. Well, what I'm thinking in my, well, like I said about that concussion thing, about losing your senses. Yes. Who knows? You know, obviously I should have just told them, hey, I cut my head. Is there anything you can do for me? That kind of, or do you have some bandages? You know, that sort of thing. I love that you think it's better to walk around <laughs> like 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 there's something wrong with bleeding right. and and being, must not let my blood upset anyone else. <laughs> the risk of 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 being the being caught smearing blood all over yourself is right, way better right. than just bleeding. Like when you're when you're six and you hurt yourself or something, you don't want playtime to end, so you don't want to tell your parents. Like I reverted to that, you know. <laughs> and so I, I we go up. She gets out. She's like, "Bye." And I'm like, "Oh, bye." She gets out. I go to my hotel room, and so I, you know, I, I strip down and get, you know, go to clean myself up, and I didn't have any bandages. So I'm like, "Great, what do I do?" So I and I, I go to wash it out, and there's sand and grit caked in this wound, right? I know I have to clean it out. I know this much. So I take some shampoo and scrub this wound out with shampoo and water in the sink, and it looks like like triage in there at this point. It's <laughs> blood splattered on the mirror and the counters and the floors and the bloody towels. Like I try not to get the towels bloody, but you know, some got on there. So I scour the wound out and then get a, um, you know, rinse my hair out with, with water and then get paper towel or not paper towel, but uh, toilet paper fold it up into like padding. And this is how adult I am. I think this is an appropriate bandage. I fold it up into like a thick wad, like a flat, square wad and tamp it down onto my head as hard as I can. And then I don't have anything to hold it on. So I find a long sleeve t-shirt and wrap it up around my head and tie it into a big bow. <laughs> Just tie it into a big bow above my head. And I'm like, I take a picture of it in the mirror like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm a friggin' genius, right? Like, I just, I just, I am the king. And I walk back into the living room, and we had leftovers. So I started eating leftovers and watching TV, thinking, I'll just stay awake so that, you know, because people with concussions are supposed to stay awake just in case I have a concussion. Right. Not thinking that if I have a concussion, it's very likely that I'm just going to pass out. <laughs> I don't even wake my wife up or anything. So eventually, I just go to bed. And I wake up in the morning, and the wife is like, you freaking idiot. What did you do? Because <laughs> the room looks like a, a Honey, disaster. why are we sleeping in a pool of your blood? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So, yeah, that's my head injury story. So, yeah, that all in service of getting the photograph. My suggestion is that you just put your kid in a helmet. Mm-hmm.